Welcome to the Strong John Fitness Podcast. This show is dedicated to helping you achieve your best body without the BS. We'll cover training, nutrition, basically everything you need for a successful fitness journey, and we'll have some fun along the way. I'm your host, John Vlahoinakos. Let's get into it. All right, everyone, welcome back to the podcast. I have another special guest for you. Every guest I have is special, but um, today we got Tom Moulin, and, and a lot of you might know him as uh, Tom the Trainer. He is the owner of Tom the Trainer Fitness. Uh, he's an online coach that I met last year uh, in our mentorship program. He helps frustrated people. You know, you've tried it all, done it all. He's helping you lose the weight, and he's helping you do it while eating some of your favorite food on the weekends, which to me sounds awesome. That sounds wonderful. That's what everyone wants. But uh, Tom, I'd love for you to introduce yourself, man. Let us know who you are. Yeah, thanks, John. Yeah, so as you said, Tom Whelan, um, head coach, owner, operator of Tom the Trainer Fitness Limited. Um, a lot of people do know me as Tom the Trainer. Um, and like you said, so a lot of the uh, people that I help is people who kind of feel as though they've tried everything in the past and just haven't been able to get the results that they want. Um, and I deliver those results through my flagship program, usually my fast fat loss frequency method to start, uh, or metabolic muscle madness, which is, uh, a more like space, space conscious at home dumbbell training program. And like you say, I, um, I allow for people to have success and balance without giving up their favorite foods on weekends, because as we know, like, uh, fat loss and weight loss. Uh, comes down to a caloric equation through caloric expenditure, through daily activity levels and exercise, obviously, and as well as, you know, um, increase in lean mass um, to affect caloric expenditure, and then obviously what we bring in. And so I like to use a calorie cycling method with everybody that allows for that sustainability, uh, because I calculate essentially diet breaks and there's a lot of research in diet breaks but a lot of the research which we know kind of holds as much value as you'd like to place to it because of the individuals research are done on but a lot of the research is over like long extended periods of dieting with with like short periods of breaks whereas i'm kind of using this like diet break method the cyclical approach to calories where you get one day per week where you have a high caloric intake day. And what that does is it, um, many things like it, 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 uh, affects your ghrelin hormone, which is your hunger hormone. It also allows for, to provide some like mental ease from dieting. Uh, cause willpower is not an endless resource. I, I like to, I always quote it as like a bank account. It's like, you need to make deposits if you don't want to go broke on your willpower. Um, but then also physically, you know, um, I don't know who your listener audience is, but as trainers, we know that when we pull calories from our diet, metabolic adaptation takes place. And that's our metabolism slowing down from the lack of calories present. And a lot of people may argue that that is only affected by lean muscle tissue, like lean mass and things like that. But, but I would argue that there's more to it than that. Um, and in my opinion, it's essentially a survival mechanism to avoid the threat of starvation. And that's why with many diet approaches, 
it's just move more, eat less, move more, eat less, which becomes unsustainable and people rebound. So I'm sending a signal once per week to the metabolism that signals a lack of threat. Uh, and then there's no threat of starvation and metabolic adaptation slows down or literally like completely negates. So I've had clients lose like 90 pounds without pulling a single calorie out of their diet over nine months. And then I've been also able to do some really cool things like stack calories back into people's diet while also cycling to minimize fat increases while uh, building lean tissue. And I've put like sometimes seven, eight, 900 calories into a man's diet while he continues to lose weight using this nutritional approach. So quite powerful. Um, and I guess I think I'm not familiar with a lot of people who are using this approach. I don't see a lot of research on it, um, but we're pumping out multiple transformations per week on the team. And it doesn't matter if you're man, you know, male, female, uh, in your 20s or in your 60s and everybody in between, it's successful with everybody, which I feel is basically like a really good indication of a foolproof approach, right? So, yeah, I, I appreciate you, you digging into this and sharing that because I think it's not very common. As you said, most people, when they want to lose weight, they're like, okay, well, I'm just going to do more activity, cardio workouts, whatever it is, and I'm going to start eating less, whether they're cutting out carbs or cutting out this or that. But what you're saying is, look, like that's not sustainable. It's not going to last. And yeah, you might see some quick results, but you're going to hit a rock bottom really, really quickly. Um, so yours is more of a sustainable approach. From my experience, it does take more of a, of a disciplined individual to be able to track consistently, to be able to see, okay, well, I did have a lower day or I did have a higher day. Um, and then I'm, I'm really glad you brought up, because we can dig into this too, of having giving people the opportunity to eat more food. I think this is so overlooked and not talked about enough because, and again, with, with who you work with, people that have tried it all, done it all, they're usually eating way too little and they're almost scared to eat more food. I know I have a few clients that I work with that are like, I, I love to eat more, but I don't know how I feel. I feel scared to do so. How do you help uh, the adherence to the buy-in process for someone who is a chronic dieter Maybe they're on 12 to 1500 calories, but you know, they need upwards of 16, 17, 1800 or more. Yeah. And I think that's a really, really good point. Like, especially in the beginning stages of when I started coaching people online, I had, uh, and especially women would be like, oh, I'm going to gain weight eating this much food. Right. Um, and back then I think, you know, maybe my communication methods maybe weren't as strong as they are now. And I think like a good coach, like coaching is communicating. Right. Um, so, you know, maybe back then I think I would maybe just say like, trust me. Right. But, um, but now like it really just comes down to like open communication. So when I send a meal plan to a client, like I address that in a summary message that I send to them is like, 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 look, this may look like a lot of food compared to what you've been eating before. Um, this is why we're using this much food and this is what you can expect. Right. So like, I think in order, the, the, the main reason to get people to buy into anything is about like being a leader and not a boss and like making them understand what's in it for them and the why. Right. I think we've all worked for somebody in the past who just like barks orders at us and tells us what to do. And we know how much buy-in we have to what they tell us to do. But we've also worked for somebody who's a leader 
who treats us with respect, makes us understand things, right? Teaches us and leads us. And then we have the trust and the buy-in to them because they've taken the time to explain it and what they're saying makes sense. And then honestly, like the biggest buy-in really comes from like the instant results that people get. Like I can't count the number of people who have been like literally like, I can't believe I lost weight eating this much food and got a cheat meal on weekends, right? Like, like I can't believe it. And then I always joke around, like I have tendencies that I, that I, you know, I'm very repetitive, I think, but like, I often will send like a wizard gif or emoji or something and be like, yeah, I'm a wizard, right? Like, <laughs> that's good. Um, but yeah, they just like, people just don't, under, they just don't understand what's happening. Um, but if you make them understand and you take the time to respect that, like people aren't dumb, that people are intelligent and you don't try to like hold all your cards close to you, be like, Oh, this is my secret. You explain it and people will buy in and they'll follow it. And you, and you'll know when people aren't too. Right. Cause like, it's, it's pretty easy to tell that they're not buying in and following it. And that's just a conversation too. Right. Yeah, hundred percent. I love it, man. You, you drop a lot of a lot of gems quickly there, and I think one of the, one of my favorite things you said, and it's funny because I was scrolling through as an aside, I was scrolling through Trainerize uh, the Facebook group there just to see if there's any updates on voice notes because I'm dying to send voice notes on that app. And I saw you left a comment about you know like we need communication as a coach, and this is one of the missing pieces there. And the fact that you brought it up again today to me is true. Like I think when I got into personal training. Uh, years ago and in online coaching communication was something that wasn't my strongest like i'd more tell people what to do versus actually coaching them and then helping them see the answer for themselves and helping them get to the answer um so i'm I'm really glad you brought that up because i think that that is the difference between someone just going and buying a random program and actually having someone guide them through the entire process yeah to me like it's it's about like a coach is a leader Right. Like, and you can be like, and, and there's different kinds of coaches out there. And I know my style is I take pride in being a leader. I take pride in being a leader with my employees, uh, my teammates, uh, my clients. And that's the style of how I like to make people successful. Um, and like flat out, if somebody's looking for like a dictator or somebody to like degrade them and just like bark orders at them and stuff like that, like, I, that's just not my style. And maybe some people will like, I, I don't know who really responds to that long-term, but it's just, it, it all comes down to like leadership, right? Like, and that's like clear expectations, mm-hmm. right? Letting people understand the why and then following up with them and also just creating a safe environment. Like I, I tell clients before they sign up with me, like I won't take a client on until one expectation that I set with them is like you're coachable. And that means that like you run to me when you're having problems, you never run away from me. If I'm trying to rein you in because you're struggling, you never ghost me. It's a safe environment to communicate and there's never shame and struggle. Right. And those are expectations that I have on people. And it's like, if they say, well, like, well, I don't know if I'm willing to do that. Then it's like, well, I'm not, I'm not the coach for you then because that's my coaching style. And I think Mm -hmm. like, respectful accountability is the only way to operate. And with that, you need to create that safe environment where it's safe communication between you and your client. Right. 
100%. Yeah, both from a coach's perspective and a client perspective. Like, it's a relationship. You have to work together. You can't have one, like, let's say the coach is always trying to, like, rein the client in and vice versa. If you're the client always trying to find your coach and your coach isn't responsive, like, that's not going to create results for anybody. So I'm glad, I'm really glad you bring that up. And I think that's one thing we can get into the coach's side of things of just having your your boundaries for who you want to work with, who is a good fit for you. And you're not trying to bend and twist your approach to try to help everybody. It's like you recognize your area of expertise. You recognize that you can't help everybody. And that's more of a superpower than a downfall. Yeah. I think you see often in our community that we're in of online coaches, sometimes people will ask like, well, this person is trying to dictate this or dictate that for me to take them on as a client. And often I'm like, sounds like that person's not buying into the fact that you're the coach and that you're the person who knows what they need to be successful. And like, that person sounds like a problem to me. Mm -hmm. I personally wouldn't take them on. Right. Like, you know, um, and that's just like, comes with the boundaries that you just mentioned there is just like, look, if you've tried everything and you haven't been successful, but you want to hire me and continue to do the things that you've been doing before you hired me that weren't making you successful. And if you think that you can negotiate with me to still do those things, like, no, and you can't negotiate with your goals either. If those things were working and that negotiation that you were telling yourself that you were telling your body, your body wasn't buying it. I'm not buying it as your coach either. But I'm just very clear on that sense of just like, you know, there's, you you have to be willing to change, right? And that's why I kind of leave those comments in our community is it's like, it doesn't sound like this person's willing to change what they're doing. And if you do take them on as a client, like, talk about like somebody just depriving your energy. Mm-hmm. Well, it's tough too. I mean, a lot of coaches whether it's a scarcity mindset or abundance mindset, sometimes, you know, if, if you're new to the online space and you just, you want to get clients on board, you'll almost kind of take whoever you can, which isn't going to be very helpful for you in the long run either. Cause you can end up resenting people and just hating what you do versus setting the boundary of like, you know what, this is the type of person I want to work with. They need to be coachable. They need to adhere to the process and communicate. You're going to have a better time. Your clients are going to have a better time too. You know, I often, I often look back at like clients I've had in the past and like, I'll feel bad because I'm like, I could have done a better job. If you look back, like I look back at my programming, look back at my communication and I cringe. I'm like, man, what the hell was I doing? But I also see it as a sign of growing as a coach. I don't know. How do you feel? Have you looked, have you looked back at yourself and like you have pockets of time where you're like, this was really not my best versus what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I'm always kind of trying to improve upon things constantly. Part of the reason that I have those like boundaries that I have in place. um, And like, to be honest, like um, when I'm looking to take on, on clients, like they're as much auditioning to work with me as, as, as it is like they're seeing if I'm a good fit. Mm Mm-hmm. And a big reason why I do that is because like I, in the past, when I was an in, in-person trainer, there was a couple of times where like, you know, somebody would like ask to do a workout with me and I'd be like, sure. And I had them do a workout. And then they were like, when are we working together? And they would sign up for training and I didn't set clear expectations with them. And then after, and after like nine months of like, just literally like this person just like sucking all the positive energy out of you every single day, when you see them at noon, 
I had to nine months in, like I fired the client. I, like, I was like, I was working at Good Life Fitness and it was a large, large fitness company. And I was like, I'm sorry, but you need to find another trainer. I'm not working with you anymore because like, it's my fault. I should have set the expectations with you in the beginning. And I didn't do that, that I'm the coach, but like, dude, you've literally just argued with me for a hundred hours. Like we've come into sessions and you've argued with me for a hundred hours and like, I can't do it anymore. I'd rather go for a walk right now and not get paid. You need to find another, you need to find another client. So I think what's, or another trainer, I think what's important is like, you're going to make mistakes along the way. And this is important for like new trainers and new coaches is like, you're going to make mistakes along the way. Don't make the same mistakes. Learn from them. Do you know what I mean? And then just always have that growth mindset. Like part of the reason I feel that I've had the success that I've had is if you look behind me, there's certs missing on this wall because I haven't hung them up yet. But a big difference between myself and other trainers who hired, who were started at the same time with me as me is the amount that I've invested in education and mentorship and learning from others to trying to con continually get better at what I do. And my program has been in place since late 2018. And I just added a brand new member site and a brand new onboarding process for my clients because I feel it would improve the program. So I think that that's key too, is, is like, you're going to, everybody makes mistakes in life, but like you got to learn from the mistakes and then just make sure you don't make those mistakes again. So there's definitely times that I can recognize where I feel like, I could have done this better or that mm-hmm. better. Um, but I don't spend a ton of, I don't spend a ton of time thinking about it. I just like make sure it never happens again. You sure. know what I mean? I love it, man. Yeah. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah. And I think, I think it's important for everyone. It's like, you don't necessarily want to dwell on what you've done wrong, but you'll, you'll take it, you'll learn from it. And the key, I think what you're alluding to is just, is you got to keep moving forward. Like you, you can't get stuck thinking about what you've done or, or get frustrated about like the mistakes you've made. It's like, you know what? you know, if you're a coach or otherwise, like you still have to push forward. You still have to take action, whether you're a coach and you want to do another cert or you want to just start posting on social media to get clients. Or if you're someone who wants to lose weight, like you can read all the blogs and and watch all the YouTube videos you want. But until you start implementing some of those things, you're not going to see any changes. Um, And that's, that's one thing I wanted to bring up to you today too, is like with the plethora of information available online, you know, your Instagram page is filled with value. Like if I can, I can go there, there's always a ton, there's always a ton of transformations. How are you making sure people don't get just stuck in that? I want to take in more information. I want to consume, consume, consume. And then like, I'm not taking action yet. Um, well, I, I think like it's a, sometimes people need a little bit of a push, hmm. right? But I also kind of understand that like sometimes you need to meet people where they're at a little bit too. Mm -hmm. And sometimes like when you meet people where they at and they have like a little bit of success, like just watch them take off, man. Do you know what I mean? Um, Like I had a client, for example, the guy lost 52 pounds in 12 weeks and he's, he's uh, one of my most recent transformations that I posted like just like great, good genetics, like don't like great, great genetics, right? Like the guy probably could have been like, he probably could have been, had he done all the things necessary to get there. I look at him and I'm like, that guy's got like on stage for Mr. Olympia or like pro bodybuilder genetics. And we know how important that is. But anyways, he lost 52 pounds in 90 days and he was like, he owns a brewery and he was like, Tom, I, 
I wanted, I, I drink two to three beer a day and like, I, I might not drink three or four beer a day, but I still want to have the option of being able to drink a beer while transforming. So I was like, okay, we can do that. Also communication, just so mm-hmm. you know, man, like that means like one beer is like one less meal per day. Right. And your results may be slower than expected because alcohol has other effects on things. But like, mm-hmm. if you, if that's where you're at, because you own a brewery and that's part of your ritual and your routine, I can work with that. So I set them up. I have a daily caloric, like a daily calorie allowance. And then, a, and then like a, a lifestyle allowance. Okay. So I set him up with a lower daily caloric intake and a higher allowance. Nice. But then as soon as he invested in the program, and as soon as he committed in the program, he went all in and had one of the craziest transformations ever. And had I not met him where he was at, like, who knows? Like, well, we wouldn't have worked together and he wouldn't have transformed and learned all these valuable things to change his life. And like, he's arguably, if if not the best, one of my best transformations to date. And it was because, like, you got to have some wiggle room with people, but I think it's important to have boundaries around the things that you don't have wiggle room on, Mm -hmm. you know, alluding to our earlier conversation. Right. I love it. Yeah. Well, you, you met him where he's at. You you could have easily said you're, you're not allowed to have any beer. Right. Which isn't meeting him where he's at at all. Right. So he would have been like, well, no, like I, you're not the, you're not the guy for me, but I I love the fact that you, you educated me. Like you could do that. And here's what can happen if you do, or we can do this instead. So you're almost giving him the option to choose like, okay, well, am I going to totally buy in or, or does this sound more realistic to me? And I love that. Again, I think that's a coach that's being a leader and sounds like an awesome client to be honest. Like that's kid. That's pretty kick ass. Yeah. Yeah. He, he was, he was awesome. But and it really just kind of came in, came to like, it's the hardest step, like the hardest step, man, is committing, Right the hardest step is like saying yes. And, and when working with online, working with an online coach, like the hardest step for people to hire us is committing to yes, because there's a financial investment and like, that's an easy out for people. And then like, there's a fear of failure. Right. And like, that's an easy out for people because they failed so many times before. So they're afraid. Mm -hmm. And then there's like a fear of wanting to commit because if, they're hiring us. They probably haven't been committed enough on their own, right? So you need to get through those obstacles to get them to buy in. But once you get them to buy in, man, like that's the, like, that's the biggest step. And that's yeah. how it was with him. He bought in, he started, and he was like, screw this. I'm going to get the most value out of this possible and had this amazing transformation, Right. I love that. It seemed like his biggest fear there was like an actual, like his biggest fear was almost like commitment, committing to the diet was his biggest Mm -hmm. fear. So let's have some wiggle room. Right. But I think you had a big, you you had a big point there too. It was just like telling people like what they can and cannot do is like, there's no place in that in coaching. Like, could you imagine, like, think about it. Like coaching is a relationship, right? Yep. So like, could you imagine like telling your wife or your husband or something like what they can or cannot do and expect for that to be a good 
relationship that doesn't become like ambiguous or resentful. Like coaching is the same thing, right? We just need to be able to talk to people and get them. We need to get to be able to guide them, mm-hmm. but you can't be like, do this, don't do this. You're not allowed. And I've heard of coaches out there on the industry and like, I won't express my thoughts around them because it's not necessary, but Fair. you know, like it's not about us. Yeah. That's a good point too. Yeah. It's about them. Like it's yep. not about the transformations on my pages and like all that stuff. When somebody signs off to work with me, it's about them. And it's about me getting them to where they want to be by leading them. It's got nothing to do with me other than the fact that at the end of it, I can be like, I'm really proud of them. And I'm, I'm proud of myself for helping that person. Mm-hmm. Right? Sign think, a good coach. You're in it to help them. Yeah. Like that's it. I think there's a lot of ego in the industry too, though, where like, you know, that, you know, the coaches doesn't take long for you to watch people and know who the coaches are, that it's about them and not their clients. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, excluding everyone that's working with us and like OTM and coaches I've met over the last few years, like I have blinders on, on the internet now on social media. I don't, I don't find myself watching too much what other people are doing unless it naturally comes in my feed. Cause I'm like, I'd rather surround myself with, positive people and people I look up to or inspiration and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. And I think, I think a lot of people, if, if so, those are some of the bigger figures, let's say in social media and people are like, well, I don't like that person's approach. They label online coaches as what that person's doing. So they think that we're all the dictator or, or we're dicks or we're just gonna, you know, bark at them all the time. And I love breaking that for people. I'm like, I'm not like that at all. Like I might look like a meathead, but I'm actually like pretty easy to talk to. I'd like to think, and I'm again, I'm, we're here to help you. Some of the best coaches I know are the most selfless sometimes to a fault. Um, but it, it's true. And I, and I want to jump on another point too. The reasons people don't commit the one thing I think, and maybe it falls under commitment, but I think it's fear of like what the other side looks like. Like I think if someone's never reached their goal before, they're almost scared of like, what does that look like for me? But what does that look like for the people around me? Does it change my relationship with my significant other or my kids or my, or my work? And it's like that fear of the other side, kind of fear of the unknown that they're just, they're, they're blocked from pursuing. And that's like, honestly, it's funny. Like that's a valid, that's a valid fear for people. There's ways around that. Like, you know, I just did a reel today about like, if you want to be successful with your goals and I talk about fitness, but like my mindset's the same to everything. But if you want to be successful about your goals and you haven't had a conversation with your partner and you haven't expressed how important whatever that goal is to them, they won't give the support that they need. Right. Like, and so you got to do that. And you got to be open and vulnerable with them too. You know what I mean? Like I've had people tell me some pretty wild stuff on coaching calls about like how they feel intimate with their partners, you know, and, and things like that. And it's like, does your partner know you feel this way? And it's like, absolutely not. It's like, well, you got that vulnerable with me, but you won't tell them. And like, that's what, that's who matters most. So if you can communicate that and I prepare clients before they work with me to do that with their partners before they even hop on a call with me to make sure their partner's on board. So hopefully that kind of helps remove some of that fear. 
right? Is like, well, how is this going to affect my relationship or that? Like, let's make sure your partner's on board first. But I can also see the fear and like, how does that affect the people around me? Because like any of us who have experienced any level of success in life and, you know, fitness, business, like whatever, there's always, there's with that always people come out of the weeds, the crabs, the crabs in the bottom of the bucket start pulling on your ankles and start trying to stop you from doing the great thing that you're doing, whether it's a transformation or starting a business or like whatever it is that you're trying to do. There are people around you that are going to try to pull you down while you're trying to feel better about yourself. But like, let's just say peace to those people, you know? And I've had to do that. Like when I went online and I've experienced a lot of great success in my career right from day one, and a, fa- a quote that I have is like, everybody wants to see you succeed until you do better than them. Mm-hmm. And then you'll find out who your true friends are. And I personally had to just like flat out, like remove people from my circle. Like you were saying earlier, where you don't pay attention. It's just like yeah. block, 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 see ya. You know what I mean? And I one time had a conversation with a friend and I like the last thing I said to him was like, Man, I don't think any, like, I don't think either of us need fake friends. Do you? Like, you know? Yeah. So I can see how people would be fearful of that. Because, like, if you're accomplishing great things and making yourself feel better, Mm -hmm. it does affect other people's self-worth and ego around you. Absolutely. But that's the biggest thing, like you said, right? Like, not not to cut you off, but, like, the spouse thing, I've had the horror stories of, you know, the spouse wasn't on board or the spouse didn't want to change and they were almost sabotaging my client. And I was like, I'm not here to drive a wedge between you two, but it, it, it life is full of tough conversations. And I think honestly needs to be, if you want to grow, like if you want to grow as a person business, if you want to you know improve your fitness, like I think tough conversations need to be had. I'm very grateful. My wife is the most supportive person I've ever met. She lets me do whatever I, I feel I need to do right. If I make the mistakes on my own, like she, she won't point and say, I told you so until maybe many years later, but um, she's there to let, let me make my mistakes. So I'm, I'm, I'm lucky in that sense. I know a lot of people aren't the same, but I think to your point, it's like having that conversation with your spouse of like, Hey, this is really important to me. I need, I need to do this for me. It's, it's very necessary. And I've often said family and friends are usually the biggest detractors from your health and fitness goals. They're not, they're not the reason you get there. They're usually holding you back from, from long-term. And this isn't meant disrespectfully. It's just like you said, people start changing around you if you start changing your behaviors too. And I think it's like, I think it's like this innate character trait that takes place. I don't think that they're like, like intentionally trying to have an Mm -hmm. impact, but like, you know, it's, it's weird, right? So like if somebody's like overweight and they feel poorly about themselves, their people are always like, Oh, like, you know, honey, you look great. And like, you know, like, don't worry about how you feel girl and that's kind of stuff. And then like, it's like, okay, that's not helping though. Cause like you can say that to that person as much as they want, but if they feel shitty internally about themselves, like let them open up and fly, like let them level up. Yep. Right. But then when people start leveling up, it's weird. It's like the opposite thing happens. It's like, Oh, you're obsessed with fitness and, mm-hmm. Oh, like you weigh all your food. Like, isn't that like a little bit obsessive and like, Oh, like honey, here, why don't you come out to lunch with us? Or like here, no, just have this donut. Like, Oh, it's fine. Like 
So it's like weird. Like when you're in like your low, people are trying to pick you up. But then like when people are going to their highs, <laughs> yeah. they're like trying to like push them down. Right? Yeah. Well, they don't like, I mean, I think humans don't like change to begin with. I think mentally it's tough. And then it's like, if you know someone who's been the same way for a long time, it's comfortable. You know, you, you know who they are and you compare yourself to them, whether you think about it or not. And like you said, it's not malicious, but it's themselves. They can't handle someone close to them changing because they're not ready to change. And I think to me, that's, that's huge. I've seen it with family. I've seen it with friends. I've, I've heard about it from clients. I think it's something that'll never go away, but it's almost like, like you said, if, if people need to be cut off, so be it. I think you have to protect your own energy and your own mental health too, at that point as well. For sure. Yeah. But I think you hit the nail on the head, man. It's, it's not even so much about them like wanting for you to feel bad. They're just like subconsciously, feeling bad about like themselves because of your success. And then like yeah. with that, they just like subconsciously say and do these things that try to take, bring you back down to like their, to their level or, or whatever. I don't think anybody like, you know, genuinely intends on doing that, but I just think it's something that happens. Like I, mm. I, okay, there's maybe some people that like genuinely are just like shitty people. That, like, <laughs> but yeah, like to give the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. I think people yeah. are good people on average. I'd say, yeah, for sure. Um, yeah. I want, I want to shift gears a bit because this this topic was brought up. We, we had an Instagram live last year, um, and I love I love your angle on this, and I wanted to bring it to the podcast too. So I'll just flat out come and say it. You're not a fan of protein shakes, right? You're probably the only coach I know I've ever met say, you know what, you, you people should stop drinking protein shakes. Can you please elaborate on that? I always I always love chatting about this with you. Yeah, for sure. So like, I mean, it's funny though because like evolution we talked about earlier on the podcast i've evolved a little bit right i have evolved <laughs> a little bit um but the main reason why i'm not a huge fan of protein shakes is like okay if you're trying to lose fat and like keep in mind like everything's context too right like so i'm helping people lose body fat and the people that i'm speaking to on my instagram are people who are trying to lose body fat right and so the protein supplement, the supplement companies want us to believe that we need more protein than we probably do need. Because if you were to do the math on it, and if you could gain 10 grams of protein, 10 pounds of protein per year, how many grams of protein did you need to convert to muscle over the course of that year? Right? That's so you're a lot. Really exceeding that already. It keeps, protein keeps you satiated. So it should be in, it should be, there should be a lot of it, in my opinion, in a fast lot, fat loss diet. But if it's there to keep you satiated, why the hell are we drinking it? Right? If it's there to keep us satiated, like, so that's my biggest, that's my biggest issue with it is like the overconsumption of it, the dependency on it. Um, the expectation that people think that like this powder is going to digest at the same rate of which a steak is going to digest. Like if I eat steak tonight and I'm sick and I don't know, I have food poisoning and I'm ill in the morning, I'm going to see steak when I'm ill. I'm not going to see that protein powder. Like it's not still digesting in my system. Yeah. Get real. Right. Yeah. Um, but the biggest thing is like the satiation of it. Now evolution. I, I use protein powder recently out of pure convenience. Mm -hmm. I'm at a different stage than a lot of the people that I help are. But also I don't drink it. It goes in my oatmeal and I've got away from eating the Sour Patch Kids and because uh, my teeth are we're getting sore. But um, but now I have I have cereal post-workout and I put protein powder in it. But 
I still do not prescribe or myself drink a protein shake as a source of protein. If, if, if you're doing that, like you're just, you're missing, you're missing the point in my opinion. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, so your biggest thing and correct me if I'm wrong, but it's more, you want people to eat food, right? Because the biggest problem people have when they're trying to lose weight is they're hungry all the time. So if you have, you know, a 150 calorie shake that's done in 15 seconds versus, you know, a steak, which will take you five to 10 minutes to eat, I mean, depending, uh, you're going to be much more satiated for the, for the next few hours from eating the steak, chewing the meal. You know, it gives your body time to send hunger signals to the brain, things like that, versus shake, which is true. You drink a shake. If I chug a shake, I'm still hungry. Like it's not, yep. I'm not like, oh, I'm full now. But I think for me, protein shakes is, they, they are huge for people that are super busy, that are on the go a lot. Like the convenience thing is, is a big part, but I agree that it shouldn't be the main bulk of how you get your protein. in. I think it's, it's, it is a supplement to your diet, which needs to be full of lean protein sources, mostly, um, and then fruits and veggies, but like in, so let's say in the, in the case of, let's say I make a shake out of my big ninja blender, I'll add protein, I'll add fruit, healthy fats. Does that, where do you, where do you kind of put that? If the shake is like a liter big. Yeah. Like I'm, I think like, I think there's no absolutes to anything in life ever. Mm-hmm. I'll put that out there. Um, and then like, so keep in mind too, like if I did a reel where I was like, don't drink protein shakes unless and, or if, and because nobody's going to, nobody's going to view that content. Right. So like yep. there is, there is the uh, point too, is like, I'm making a statement in the content and like, there is context behind yeah. my statement. So there are a few clients where I do say like, let's do smoothies, mm-hmm. but I generally will try to exhaust all other, all other options before we get there. Or it's somebody where I need to meet them where they're at. Like one of my first clients ever. And like, eventually she got really frustrated after like six weeks. And then it was like, are you willing to, listen to what I was saying and get rid of that protein shake after your, after your workout. And then she dumped it and had six packs, had a six pack, like literally within like three weeks from that. Right. So we're, we're dealing with humans, not robots. So I can't Mm -hmm. say that there's absolutely any absolute and there is gotta be some gray in the way that we do things, but rarely man, will I have somebody like it. I helped over a hundred clients in the last year. I can't think of, I honestly can't think of three that had a pro, I can't think of two that had a protein shake in their diet. Like a right, like a regular, like every day they were having a shake. Yeah. A smoothie for breakfast. Like I can legit, like I have a hundred clients in 2022. I can think of yeah. maybe one. Right. Mm-hmm. Which is huge. I think so for in, in context with this, is that client that got frustrated after six weeks what was her biggest issue? Like she just, she, she had the protein shake after the gym, but she was still starving the rest of the day. Like what was the hallelujah moment kind of switch for her when you're like, okay, well, let's, let's switch things up away from the shakes now. I don't know a hundred percent personally, because like, I think you only know what people tell you. Fair. I have, I have my guesses. Whereas I think, I think that that some of it was leading to eating more food after the fact. Mm-hmm. Um, personally 
I think that was the biggest thing. Although that was never like she would never provided that information to me. Yeah. Um, but you know, the other thing as well as I think, like, I do think that there is like a bit of like, so the thermogenic effect on food and stuff, yep. I personally think that that's negated with a shake. Like, I think like your body's not like you, you the thermogenic of food on a shake is, is in my opinion, I don't know what the statistics are, but if it's 10% on fats and carbs and, and, and 30% on protein, I think each, not all calories are created equal. I can't say for certain, but if I were, if I were, I would say it'd probably be a combination of the two is the thermogenic effect. Mm-hmm. And then also she probably wound up being more satiated and probably stuck to her diet better overall. Yeah. Well, I, yeah, we, I mean, we talked about chewing, right? I think that in itself is going to, it makes the body work more. I don't, I don't know the numbers either, but you know, even if in that instance, if I picture something like that, and I was in the same boat where it's like, okay, finish the workout, slam down a shake. I'm hungry. So I'm going to go cook food and eat more. So in her case, she would stop drinking the shakes and then she'd just have to sit and eat. So sitting to eat is going to take longer. You're just going to have better quality ingredients, more micronutrients if she's having vegetables with her. Like it, it, there are a lot of variables that add up. Um, and this is not like, as I'm saying this for people like that's overwhelming to even hear all of that. It's really, it, it doesn't have to be. It's just literally we want, we, we want you to eat food. We want you to eat real food. Um, you know, I'm a fan of donuts clearly, but my diet and my client's diets aren't made up of them, you know, the uh, simple 90, 10, 80, 20 type of, we want you eating real food. And I think Tom, and you can, again, tell me if I'm wrong, but you're alluding to like, you know what, if you can set yourself up in a way that's going to make it easier for you to stick to the protocol, you're going to have a better time and you're going to see better results. But if, if you're like married to a protein shake where you're drink it, you're still full. It's almost, it's almost wasted calories in a sense. Cause you're, you're, you're never full you're going to end up eating more. It's going to make it harder to stick to your calories. It's going to make it harder to see results. For sure. Yeah, absolutely. And like, I, I also think it's like easier too, because like, it's like, okay, well, can you wait till the weekend to have, like, you know what I mean? Well, maybe I drink, maybe I want to drink a protein shake because it tastes bomb. Cause it tastes like chocolate. And yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. okay. But like, but can you wait till the weekend? Cause like with, in my approach is like, you do your photos and your weigh-ins, like, you can have whatever you want. And, like, you can send me a picture of, like, the dirtiest thing ever. Like, just don't treat it like an eating competition. <laughs> like, you can literally be like, I ate a medium pizza. And I'll be like, awesome. Did you save any for me? Right? But, like, yeah. so I think part of that factor there, too, is, is just, like, that willpower equation. And often people – Maybe it's a way it's been marketed to them, but like, here's like this like protein that tastes great, but it's healthy for you. So it means it's okay, except you're not getting the progress that you want while using it. So, but it's not marketed to you like, hey, it's healthy and it's protein, but it's additional calories. It's marketed to you as like, buy this because it's protein. Yeah. Right. And it tastes great. So I think that's part of the factor too is just like maybe some people feel as though that like they need to, re- that that's their treat every single day is like well i get to have a protein shake because it tastes great right but- mm-hmm. i do think it, it can help like i think protein supplements can be helpful and again context is important of helping people like manage a sweet tooth like instead of reaching for a chocolate bar they have a protein bar which again it's not going to be the most satiating it, and it's it's never going to taste fully like the candy bar i've only think ever had one protein product that was like this is really fucking good <laughs> um and it was the snickers protein bar that was like I'm like this is actually really tasty it's not a snickers 
but I think that's where they can be beneficial. It's like if they're if someone's really just about that nine o'clock at night want to have a some something sweet. It's like if you just sit there and sip on a protein shake for an hour and then go to bed, that will serve you more than going to the snack cupboard. For sure, that's that's the base of my approach in, in utilizing protein shakes. Yeah, and like you said, context to everything, and and everything works sometimes. Not everything works all the time. I think is a powerful statement too. And so maybe the way that you use things with your client, because I don't know your nutritional approach, but I know mm-hmm. you get good results with your clients. And mm-hmm. if you use protein shakes as maybe a more regular occurrence, that's like one factor in a big formula of how you're doing things. And my formula of how I'm doing things, mm-hmm. I try to minimize that within it, but also as Cause like also is the micronutrients in food. Like I've had, I've had clients who have done bodybuilding shows before and come and worked with me and been like, I can't believe how amazing I feel while I'm on your diet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No shit. You're getting your vitamins and your minerals (laughs) and you're not eating egg whites and tilapia to lose fat and get diced. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Right. I love it. Well, it's important. And I'm glad you bring that up. It's like, we are all humans my coaching approach isn't necessarily better than yours and vice versa, but it's like, we are working with our approach, our process, and we are teaching our clients to follow and and work with us in that process. It doesn't mean that I'm here to shit on yours. You're here to shit on mine and yours doesn't work and mine's better. You know what I mean? Like, I'm I'm glad you bring that up because it's, there are different things that'll work for, for different people. I think the, the underlying commonality between us two is just, you know, people have to live a life, you know, we're not robots for sure. Um, and you can have fun and still see results. I think that's where most people don't know how to do that. Like, they're like, yes, I want to be able to go to my kid's birthday and have cake, or I want to be able to do this, but it's implementing that is where they fall because they're used to that restrict binge, restrict binge cycle that they're just stuck in for years. Yeah. I think you and I have a lot of similarities from, cause we haven't ever really dug in a ton on nutrition, yeah. but I think you and I have a lot of similarities in like the way that we do things. We work with a we work with a similar like uh, a similar clientele. We work with like mature adults. I I like to work with a lot of like business owners and things like that, real estate agents, and like like high perform high performing adults mm-hmm. with busy lives because I feel I speak the same language as they do, and I understand what they're going through because like I'm a very busy individual as well, and 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 understand like what it takes to operate at that level. So that's who I really like working with. But like, Mm -hmm. we're both preaching this like sustainability without abstinence from things. And I don't know per se, but like if yours is more on a daily basis where it's part of your calculation in the equation of like, have this little treat daily. Mm -hmm. Mine is more geared towards the way I look at it is like, everybody's got birthdays and barbecues and holidays and something that comes up and it's always on the weekends. So that's when you get your calorie allowance from me is the probably the time where I feel like you're probably going to need it most. Also because of the fact of the clientele that I often work with, they're really structured through the week, Monday through Friday. If you're a high performance, high performance business person and, owner of a business like you're you got to be structured monday through friday and then you get to be a little more relaxed on weekends and i just feel that my approach 
speaks to those people and clearly helps those people because you know we're we're over we're counting upwards of 300 transformations on the team doing it that way mm-hmm. probably a lot because it just works for that person right it works for those people i should say yeah which is great no 100 that makes sense yeah i uh i gotta run and get my uh my oldest from school shortly but um if you could i'm gonna put you on the spot if you could leave the audience with tom the trainer's golden nugget it can be about training fitness nutrition life honestly man doesn't matter you're uh you're full of knowledge and i'd love to hear it yeah um well i think like if there's like one there's one thing that's probably stuck with me most in the last like two two things that have probably stuck with me most I'll, i'm gonna give you two because i can't Let's do, do it i'm all in so, number one the most powerful thing i think like the most powerful one of the most powerful statements confidence is the number one predictor of success Hmm. Well, you need to be confident in yourself, right? And part of that means that you like, you need to like envision yourself being successful and what that's going to look like. You need to like envision your success because if you can't like see yourself successful at something, you are not going to put in the work to get there. So confidence, confidence is the number one predictor of success. And then like, when it comes to business and like maybe for coaches and stuff that like listen mm. to your podcast is like burn the boats all in is how I do everything. Love it. There's no way off the island. When I decide I'm going to do something, there is no way off the island. And the burn the boats comes from like you go on an island and you're going to make it work. You're going to live on that island, burn your boat so you can't get off. Cause if you can't get off, you'll make it work. So those are my two, those are my two nuggets. Those are the two probably most powerful things that I abide in my life. Like regularly, I'm an extremely confident individual, mm-hmm. and, but when I go all in on something, I do the one thing that makes it so like, I got no option not to fail. I have no option to fail. Cause I went and did that one thing that made it go burn the boats all in, like signing a lease or booking a photo shoot or whatever, you know? Yeah. I love that, man. Th- those are, those are big. And actually, as you said, both of them, I was picturing in my head, I'm like, where, where am I at now? Where have I been? Um, definitely burning the boats is one thing when I, when I decided to be a trainer, like I didn't have backup when COVID hit, I didn't have a ton of cash to work with. And I invested in OTA too. Like it's one of those things where you're like, this is what I'm doing to provide for the family. So I, that resonates with me 110%. And I appreciate you sharing that for sure. Yeah. I've actually got to, I'm going to get a tattoo next Saturday of that on my leg. There you go. That's yeah. lot, I love that. Yeah, that's great. Tom, thanks so much for taking the time in. I really appreciate it. If you can leave people uh, or let people know where they can find you, I'll put it in the show notes as well, though. Yeah. Uh, so right now, like uh, Instagram is at Tom, the trainer fitness. Uh, most, I'm mostly just on social. So at Tom, the trainer fitness and then um, Tom trainer on Facebook. I started the account years ago and thought it was a handy name and then never never change it to my actual name but my actual names in brackets there because after you start facebook it is the way it is so tom the trainer fitness and tom trainer awesome man cool yeah i'll put that in the show notes for sure again thanks for the time i really appreciate the chat and i'm definitely gonna have you back on for part two probably later this year yeah we'll, we'll connect a call and hopefully i can have you on mine man have you sounds on good there. brother sounds good i love it thanks man have a good one you too take care thanks